Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think if you can't get a builder on the phone, He's either too busy or he just doesn't answer his phone the best of times. And you've just got to, I, I always picture myself, like we'd be appointing subcontractors. If I can't get a subcontractor on the phone, I won't use him because the day when there's a problem is the day you need to get him on the phone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Get In Our Home series. This series is designed to help home builders, homeowners and renovators to get inspiration and guidance from industry professionals and also homeowners themselves. My name is Peter Kilmartin, and in this episode, we travel down to County Cork to meet Kieran from KMC Homes. This is our first episode with an industry professional, and we speak about all things home building, right through from the current home building climate, rising material costs, getting planning permission, going the self-build route to getting Kieran's top tips and building advice. This episode is so, so valuable for those about to start building a home. Don't forget, you can also see Kieran on our Get In Our Home YouTube channel and all of the homes we've already filmed for the series. If you're liking the channel, please, please consider leaving us a review and subscribing. It'll cost you absolutely nothing and really help us to keep going with the content. So let's get into it. Kieran, thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. And I suppose the whole idea of the series is to get industry professionals and to get advice from people that know a lot more than... uh, your average self-builder or your average um, Joe Soap going to build a house. So really appreciate your time. So thank you. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from. We're in Cork at the moment, so I'm sure you're going to give Cork a mention. Um, So I'm originally from Middleton in in County Cork, East Cork. Um, I uh, studied civil engineering in UCC and became a civil engineer, worked with a lot of the big builders, Hegarty's, Sisks and Murphy's in the UK and what have you. And um, then went out on my own in 2004 um, to start uh, start house building. Um, time to go out on your own. Yeah, I mean, look, it was uh, it was it was kind of the the boom was was uh, was running along, but it wasn't it wasn't crazy at that stage. Um, so I was, I was doing extensions, renovations, and whatever. And um, and then uh, as time wore on, I I started building one-off houses, and then I just. I I I suppose I didn't like the uh, the I thought the customer service end was very light that people who were building a house, um, you know they were poorly served because they were caught between the architect and the engineer and the QS and the builder and everything else. So uh, I came up with this idea of um, of design and build, which isn't a new idea in itself, but I mean to uh, to make a kind of a bespoke design and build company where you could come to one company and that company would design your house and build your house, fixed price and give you a nice straightforward and uh, st- uh, fairly stress-free uh, journey to your your dream home at the end of the day 
So uh, so that's what my company, KMC Homes, became then, and uh, I've been doing it ever since. So essentially, KMC Homes, I come to you, I've got a site, I say, Kieran, I've got this amount of money for my budget, and you say, right, see you in a year and a half. Yeah, so you'd come to us with your site and your budget and your wish list. So look, I want a four-bedroom house. My budget is 350000 or whatever it is. And, um, you know, we've seen photographs on Instagram or Facebook, or whatever, of, of images we like. And, just, and we um, we bring an architect to the table, QS, um, all the building team, and we'll design your home um, around your budget. We're constantly cost-checking all your designs to make sure they are on budget. When you've signed off and everything, we lodge for planning permission and then we build your new home fixed price for this budget. Uh, so it's very simple and straightforward from a client's perspective. We've done an awful lot of work behind the scenes to make it all work. But uh, clients get what they really need, which is kind of the one-stop shop and one team that takes full responsibility for delivering their new home, you know? Um, what do you think of the current building climate or should I say crisis? Um, well, I suppose it's funny because like when COVID happened, when the first lockdown happened, everyone thought the property market was going to crash and um, people were even lowering their bids for houses, thinking that people would still sell them to them at that level and everything else. And then um, when the lockdown ended last year, the first lockdown, and the property market kind of trundled on and then it kind of gained a bit of speed and then it, it really got going. It's and increased um, in value, yeah. And then, of course, we had the lockdown this year. Um, but I suppose one thing that has changed is now that with COVID and everything else, a lot of people are beginning to move out of big cities into smaller cities yes, or from yes. smaller cities into smaller towns. So people are moving away from major urban centres. I suppose quality of life, um, staycations. I know that the summer house market has gone wild. Um, and uh, people are just I suppose, concerned with living in cities with loads of people in proximity and all that kind of thing. Um, maybe things like air quality and whatever. Yeah. So, so the market has uh, is still really buoyant, too buoyant, really. Um, and uh, uh, mean, property prices, uh, well, property prices are too strong. Okay. I mean, p- property prices are going up a, a huge amount um, on a monthly basis. Um, and you would expect that you know with all the money we've borrowed and everything else that things would uh, would look different, but they don't. So, uh, so it's. Um, a difficult time for home buyers, really, I suppose, really, you know. And what about, um, like, have you noticed that material costs and I know steel's gone up, timber's yeah, gone up? Yeah, material costs are worse again. Um, right. Like, you've steel has gone up. The, the, the first was timber. Um, timber went up a huge amount this year already. Um, uh, so did steel, uh, so did PVC, so did um, insulation. What gone. would your, like, would you have any advice around that? Do you think people should hold out if they're about to build? Do you think it's going to decrease? Do you think this is just a... A bubble that's going to burst or what's your advice there? Uh, I don't think anyone knows yet because it's really only been running a few months. Um, what I've uh, like, I've read in places that timber might be beginning to level out a bit, um, but we don't know. I mean, could it last for six months? Could it last for a year? We've no way of knowing. I mean, um, the, the whole global supply chain has been so disrupted between Brexit and COVID. Um, and then the Suez Canal issue, I know, is all fed into it as well. And you've had lockdowns and factories shut and then reopened it all. So, like, the whole thing is just chugging along. Um, it'll eventually stabilise. Sure, things always do. How long will it take? Very hard to know. Yeah. Um, you could take the view that if you were building your house, self-building, and you had access to the funds and you had access to a warehouse, you could buy all your material, well, buy a good chunk of your material, 
buy it now. If you're building in two months time, it's unlikely to be fixed in two months time. You might buy your insulation or at least order it now because it could, it could take a month or six weeks to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even when you do get it, it might cost more. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's really hard to know. I mean, I, I don't think anyone can conclusively say this is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have heard of projects and bills pressing the pause button in the hope that you know, say for example, some steel heavy bills or some bills that might have been a little bit more complicated. I've heard of stories of people pressing pause for a couple of months, hoping, you know. Uh, well, my advice there, I prefer to be buying the material now and just hedging your bet rather than hoping that nothing else goes. I mean, it's your labor go up yeah. in, in yeah. a few months as well. Things don't tend to get cheaper as time wears on. I think yeah. we all know that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, soft, software is the only thing that gets cheaper. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, building doesn't tend to get cheaper. It's a bit like staying out of the stock market. Most of the world's best investors don't recommend staying out of the stock market, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, if, if I had a choice, I'd buy the material early and go, at least you can lock it yeah. down and hedge it. Yeah, yeah. I Would I be putting off a project for, I mean, you know, a lot of these projects are young couples. They either have a baby or a baby on the way and they're at a stage in their life where they really need to change from kind of renting to, to building and all that. So. Time is of the essence, you know, if you're in your early 30s and you're just married and maybe you have life plans, maybe you have a child in the way, you don't really have time to be waiting then, you know, yeah. so I'd, I'd be more buying it early and, and hoping you got it at a reasonable price. And, and the other thing is that you got it at a reasonable time because insulation, you can, you can order, order insulation today, it could take you a month to, to, to get it. Yeah. PVC windows used to take six weeks to get, now they're eight, 10, 12 weeks to get. So all your timelines are running out like, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. I the interesting thing about this conversation is, I suppose, that you are a builder. So, you know, a lot of people listening to this or, or watching this might not know whether they're suitable for a builder or that they might be able to manage the self-built route. You know, do you think that everybody's able for the self-built route? Uh, would you advise engaging with a builder and go down that route? Or, you know, obviously, <laughs> without getting too biased about it, but, you know, what would your advice be around, you know, those on the fence between self-building and building? I think, um, I suppose there's a few things feeding into it. I mean, if you're really looking to save money, is it cheaper to do it yourself? Um, in some respects, yes. Now, you're paying different VAT rates. Like if, if you're getting a plumber in to do some plumbing work, he's charging you 13.5% VAT. If you're buying um, timber and you're going to get another carpenter with the timber up on the roof, you're buying that timber at 23%. Now, if you're getting it all through a builder, you're getting it all at 13.5% because he's supplying and fitting the whole um, building uh, works. So he's charging everything at 30 and a half. So you are paying a bit more VAT if you, um, if you build it yourself because you are paying material at uh, 23%. So yeah. that's one thing. Um, it really comes down to how much time you can give it and how much headspace you have to give it. I mean, if you're working in an office or you're working in a multinational company, you can't leave your office from one end of the day to the next, uh, you won't be able to be on site. And if you're not on site, you are the project manager, you are the builder, you are the person who's insuring the site. And what's, what goes wrong? Like the plumber knows how to do his, do his job and the plasterer knows how to do his job and the electrician knows how to do his job. But where the plumber and the electrician are meeting to tie in on hooking up a heating system, you need to be in the middle of all that, making sure that's all being coordinated. Then you need to get it commissioned by a third party, which is the people who are supplying the heating system itself, air to water now, for example. Um, there's a lot of interface there, and that's where you're needed. That's where a foreman's needed in a building company or the builder of a smaller company. Um, you're needed for all those interfaces. You're needed for all the junctions. 
So um, it really comes down to how much time you have to give, give that project. Now, if you are someone who's in the trade, I'd say there's very few people in the trade who use builders because they, they, they can do some of the work themselves, they're friends yeah. and they can bring in and get a good, good prices from them. And they have the time to give, they might be there every afternoon because they're doing something else in the morning or, you know, if you're in the farming community and the houses you're building on your own land, so you'll be coming and going the whole time. And again, so it, it works very well. But again, if you don't have the time, I suppose to it just depends on the lifestyle the person's living in the first place. And it it depends on with. how much. Yeah. You know, like, do you think you're going to add value to it yeah. by being there? I mean, if you haven't, a, if you haven't a clue about building and have little or no interest in it, you're not going to be adding much value. If you're fairly clued into that um, and you have a strong interest in it and you think you you could drive good bargains and you can give it the time, then it's it could very well work for you. So you will save money by doing it yourself. But then, I suppose, depending on what your hourly rate is on your day job, I mean, if you're, only, if you're making big money on your day job and you're spending most of your time uh, on, uh, instead of building out on your day job, working on your building site, maybe it doesn't work for you at all. So it comes down to the person, really, you know. Yeah, uh, people have misconceptions about builders. I think that in the building industry in general, there can be a bit of a grey area around builders. I don't know why it's builders in particular, because there's so many trades, but the builders in general seem to get a bad rep. I don't know if you've noticed that, but you know, what would be a red flag to you in terms of, I've approached a couple of builders and they've got back to me with quotes or maybe they haven't got back to me yet or whatever. Would there be anything that you would advise people that are going on the builder route? Well, the first thing I'd say is, I think some of the builders deserve a poor reputation, right? Because like any other industry, um, there are some builders that are, aren't great builders and there's some builders that don't answer the phone and all that kind of thing. So look, if, if some builders probably don't, don't deserve a good reputation and, and many do, right? Um, I think if you can't get a builder on the phone, he's either too busy or he just doesn't answer his phone the best of times and you just got to, I, I always picture myself, like we'd be appointing subcontractors. If I can't get a subcontractor on the phone, I won't use him because the day when there's a problem is the day you need to get him on the phone. I mean, when it's when things are going fine, you'll always get him on the phone. It's the day there's a problem, and that's the same as someone self-building, trying to get the builder on the phone. Can't you know? That's always that's always a a, a a concern. I suppose if you if you're going out for three or four prices and one seems really low, he's forgotten something, like you know, because everyone's buying concrete in the same place. Everyone's buying their timber in one or two building yards. Everyone's using the same window company. They might even be using the same plumber. Who knows, right? So, and most construction rates and prices are, are commodities at this stage, right? There's a rate for plastering that nearly everyone knew, you know. So if someone's very low, they've either made a mistake or they're really quiet and fighting for work and, and you'd wonder why. So if you're taking the lowest price... Yeah, because not necessarily the lowest price, maybe not actually the better price when you look at quality or whatever it is. It never is, yeah. right? In like, if I think that's a no-brainer. Though. If we're if we're looking, if we're if we're going out to tender for three prices for a plastering, and we got one really low price, we know we're going to be dealing with difficulty on site. Like, and and you never make the money that you thought you saved. I mean, by the time you've a fix, you've paid out double that. So, um, as well, the other thing I, I would say about self-building is like. I have worked as, as an engineer, I'm an engineer as well, but uh, I've worked, uh, you know, doing structural surveys or snagless and whatever. Um, I would know going in the gate of a house whether someone built it self-built or used a good builder. You'd know every corner you look, there'd be a little mistake here. That doesn't quite line up with that. There's an issue over there. That pipe shouldn't be. You'll see it everywhere. I'd know straight away, I go, I bet this was self-built. You will know that, right? Now, not, I'm not necessarily promoting this because I'm a builder, but um, 
but I would know, right? And if someone asked me to do a structural survey because they're, they're about to buy this house that someone built, I would say, you do know that was built direct labor. How do you know? But you look, they're all the little things. I could point them all out, right? And I say, look, so they're all the things I can see. There's probably loads of things I can't see as well behind the scenes. And look, I'm just throwing it out there, you know? So, um, does so that, th these does are things like the, the price of housing. Well, if, if someone asks you to do a structural survey, it depends on the house, right? If, if someone was said, so, it's, 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 so it's a bit like a car. If you're buying a second hand car and you see one car that looks in mint condition and you see another one, and you go, oh, there's a scratch there. And that, that wheel looks like it was never, it wasn't maintained properly. You pop the engine and the oil hasn't been changed. You kind of go, you would think twice about buying that car. Or you might go, well, look, I, it's a lot of money. Do I, you know, are you happy to pay? So of course it does, you know. Um, well, because I actually never, I never heard of that before, that um, direct labour built houses could negatively affect the price of the sell. For a savvy buyer or a savvy engineer, well, yeah, you know, because sure, of course it does. I mean, if, if one car is built better than the other or maintained better, one will be, and they're identical cars, one will be worth that a little bit more. I mean, which one would you prefer yourself? You know? Yeah, of course. Of course. Sorry, you were going to say there something about self-building, were you? Uh, no, that, that's my comment, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so then when, when couples are going with a builder and they get their quotes in and they've got three or four quotes, what should they be looking out for in terms of comparison? I know we mentioned about the prices of, but is there anything there? Yeah, well, before I even answer that, like the, the first, like you, depends on what kind of, how you get a price from a builder. I mean, are you getting a big long bill of quantities from a builder? Now, a bill of quantities is a 40, 50, 60 page document, right? A, a detailed Excel spreadsheet with, quantities and rates and then lump sums and then it's all added up at the end. Now, like the, in construction, tendering is, the, the, there's no perfect way to end up at a builder. You're either getting the cheapest builder or the best builder and you know what I mean? It's very hard to get a builder that's good value, so he's not the cheapest and he's one of the best and he's available in three weeks. It's very hard to get all that right and if you do, you've done very well. There's a big exercise to get all that, right? Um, like, first of all, anyway, you're, you're looking at the, um, before you even go to tender, right, you want to make sure you're going out to tender to builders that are good, okay, that yeah. are known to friends or family or colleagues or whatever in the area. They've used these builders before and that they're reputable, that they are in business long enough that they can carry the cash flow of the job, you know, because they're waiting for a payment that, you know, the builder could be... In, you could be carrying 30 or 40,000 euros in a job waiting for a payment and you still need to pay your subcontractors to keep the job going while your bank is paying the builder. So we need to be financially stable enough, so we need to be in business long enough to have built up that, that cash, um, flow. cash yeah, flow cushion, yeah, you know, working capital. You need to know that the builder is reliable and that his, if it's a problem down the road, three years down the road, he'll come back and fix it. Um, you need to know that the builder is reputable in that, you know, when he's giving you quotations of bits and pieces that he's, you know, he's honourable and everything else. Yeah, yeah. And would you advise people to go around and talk to other people that have just built houses? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. There's things now like people are getting Google stars and all that. That's very important. I suppose that people are almost doing research more nowadays like that. But in the old days, before Google and all that, it was all about talking to friends and family yeah, who yeah. view different builders. And builders tend to work in a locality, you know what I mean? So it's well worth doing as much of that old school research as you can and of, of course with the new Google star ratings and all that is what we're doing as well so you, you would choose a few builders to go into your tender process I think if you're choosing five personally I think that's too much okay like really, yeah. I, I wouldn't get involved in a five ten a five 
house tender, uh, file builder uh, tender, I kind of go, but should look there. That, that just, it gives the impression you're looking just for the lowest price, right? I think um, three or four is plenty, right? Um, but so you, you then so getting the two best coats might put off a builder actually. Yeah. Well, a builder then goes, oh, sure, I'm one of five. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. it's because the builder is going to have to get a QS to price the job, and that's yeah. going to cost him five, six, seven, eight hundred quid to do. And, he, and if he doesn't get the job, that that's, the that's money lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a lot of money. I mean, you might go, but what's that to a builder? But I mean, if you if you you know in a shop, imagine what you could buy with seven or eight hundred quid in a shop. You know, it's, it is a lot of money, like. Um, but Especially then, like, to actually do a tender process properly is a very tricky um, endeavor. Like, I mean, you get a, you, what you should do, the, 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 the best way to do it, is get your own QS to do up a bill of quantities, right, without rates, and send that bill of quantities to three or four builders. Then they will come back and their, their QSs will rate those, bill of quant those quantities in the bill of quantities, and then you get a bottom line at the end of all that, because then you have decided what you want them to price and what quantities and what way you want them to price. Because if you just hand them your planning drawings, like a lot of people do, that builder can go, well, there was no mention of they want a colored render on that drawing, but it's mentioned in that drawing, so I'm just going to go for plain render because it says plain render on that drawing. So there was a mistake in the drawing, so I'm going to go for the lowest one because that's the cheapest one because that might get me the job. Yeah. Or they, they, they mentioned alu-clad windows on that drawing, but that says PVC, so I'm going to price. Th so the builder is motivated to price the cheaper aspects of it. Now, you might get another builder who goes, well, look, they said alu-clad to me, so uh, we, I will price alu-clad because they, they, uh, they seem like a kind of couple who'd like alu-clad. They pay a little bit more to get the, the nice stuff. So I'm going to price the alu-clad. Now, you might find that you went for the, cheap, the bottom line. Oh, great. I saved myself three grand with this builder. Fantastic. And you're ending up with the PVC windows. And then the right? window day comes and you go, oh, wait a second. Here we go, right? Whereas if you have your own bill of quantities with your own specifications and all that, and you hand that out and ideally get your own QS to check it at the end and do a report going, look, he's slightly cheaper, but he's only um, he's only priced Alutlet. He's a little bit more, but not much. And he's an excellent builder. We've all checked his reputation. Fantastic. It might be worth spending the extra money because you'll, you know, it'll be money very well spent on site and everything. So you need to make a value call on it, you know. And I think like, occasionally I get an email on a Monday morning going, "Here's dear sirs, uh, they wouldn't yeah. even know your name. Here are our planning drawings. Grateful if you can turn, return a quotation in three weeks time. And sure, what, you're going to spend seven or eight hundred quid. Um, when no one hasn't even, they don't even know your name or, you know, and it's to whom may confirm and all that. Like, yeah, yeah. And you know that that's, that's gone out to seven or eight, maybe ten, who knows. Um, so but t spend a bit of time making a personal connection. And then with for the, the self-builders, would you still recommend them getting a QS on board early on? Like a good QS will save you money, right? And when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of euros a few thousand to a QS is very small money. I mean, if he's saving you a few percent, that's a huge saving. And uh, and you'll sleep better at night. Now, okay, if you're an accountant yourself and you're used to go, you know, you might, have, you might be fairly handy at it, but um, they will save you money like a good QS. So, so even for the self-builders, you would still recommend a QS? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I am a builder and I use a QS. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I'm sure I could do it all myself as well, but I mean, I don't. I mean, the QS will save you money, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, because it's something that people they might see, because it's quite early on in the build, and might go, wait, he's charging me what? Two, three grand? Nah, nah. Cutting, though, like, you, there's always corners to be cut to yeah. save money, and sure, we're all trying to save money, but she's cutting out the QS. Um, 
I don't know, I'd know it's the first thing I'd be cutting out. I mean, maybe do a bit of labouring yourself on a Saturday or clean out the house yourself and, you know, load the skip yourself on a Saturday if, you're, if you want and save a few bob there. Jeez, the QS himself can save you money. Why? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so look, just, no just be careful about where you're lo- what you're looking to cut because it could be the one thing that saves you money. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I suppose going on to, um, okay, so we've decided to build a house um, and we're looking at sites or we're choosing a site. Would you have any advice for people choosing sites to build on? You know, a lot of people choose their family sites. Would you have any thoughts on that? Uh, well, if you like the, the, the cheapest site to build on is a flat site by the road, right? Now, it mightn't be the nicest site, it mightn't have the best views, but a flat site with no rock or clay or there's no boggy area out near the road is the cheapest site to build on. Um, now, if you have a sloped site, it costs a little bit more because you might have cut and fill. You, if it's very sloped, you might have retaining walls, which are very expensive. Um, if there's rock in the site and you have to go in with a rock breaker at the end of your digger and take out all the rock before you can put down your foundations, that's thousands and thousands of euros depending on the, on the rock and quantity of rock and everything else. And if people are looking at sites, how would they look at that? or how? Talk to the farmer. Okay, yeah. The farmer will know what's in the ground. So if you're buying it from a farmer, your dad's the farmer, dad, look, what's the ground like here? I mean, we build on farmers' um, sons and daughters' sites the whole time and the father would come out to meet me and everything else and I'd say, what's the ground like? And he'll tell you. I mean, even when I even work, uh, and the other thing is, when you're doing the percolation test, go out when the digger's there digging the trial holes for the percolation test. You're going you to pay for it anyhow. Um, go out and meet the, the digger driver and go, what's the ground like? He'll tell you, right? He'll go over. Just look, I'll drive over and I'll do a few more trial holes around the place and watch him. You know, he'll tell you, yeah, the ground's good. That's good building ground. This is really important stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like. Uh, like, and if there was rock, say a couple are like, oh shit, we're after having rock on our side. Kieran is. It's not, you're not necessarily saying don't build there you're saying be It'll, aware that there's going to be an extra cost there could be if, yeah. it, if it pulls out with the bucket which sometimes rock does got a light shale and the, 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 the ground workers probably won't charge you extra uh, but uh, if it's a rock breaking exercise um, yeah. that, that, that actually depreciates um, the, the, the value of the digger because the actual vibration, the pneumatic vibration on the uh, on the rams, it, it kind of it, 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 all the the hydraulic rams deteriorate, so it actually shortens the life of a digger. Oh, hence the uh, hence why they charge extra for it. Um, so if there's rock, it will cost you a little bit more. But I mean, look, that might be the section of the site that gives you the beautiful view over the valley. So look, it might be money well spent, and just it, it's just worth considering. You know. Keep in so mind. anything with a slope, anything with rock, any kind of boggy area, you might have to put in a raft foundation. You might have to pile it. All these things cost a lot of money. Anything in the ground is expensive. You know. Yeah, and then uh, moving on from uh, getting your site to the enviable word of planning permission. Mm. Um, what are you noticing with planners at the moment? And I, I've, have you noticed a shift in the last couple of years? I know that there's a lot of talk about building out in the country now and housing in general with regards to planning. What's your experience been? Because obviously you're dealing with them in day um, the Planners' expectations. Planning is becoming a little bit more onerous. Like the planners are really, really busy. They're probably understaffed. Um, a lot of projects are going to further information because planners, I'd say planners are struggling to keep up with the, the, the pace of projects that are coming at them. Further information probably gives them a little bit more time to assess the, the um the project. So I, I'm seeing projects, you know, maybe 50% of projects go to further information, which delays it then by a few months. Um, 
but and uh, it, it just like have first of all like if you're building in Cork there's a great document um, online the um, rural development guidelines um, published by Cork County Council of great I think, documents. I think every county council has one of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I've um, seen them on for us common where I Yeah. Um, like it, it, uh, they're great documents and they have it uh, they, they have all the details of what they expect in terms of good housing design and good site design site choice and all that kind of thing read them because I mean I, and, and generally they're promoting good design anyway so you'll learn from it like um, I would definitely use an architect right because I'd be able to go oh, I could save money by just using an engineer and he can do the percolation test and all that that's, that's money I wouldn't be saving like because if you have a, any kind of a half reasonable budget an architect will design a better house than an engineer right um, so get the architect to design it so you'll get the space right because you only get one chance to do that um, architects are generally good at planning permissions too because and, and, and planners like to see architects involved because they know that they've you know, generally speaking they'll, they'll have put a bit of thought into design and the orientation and the, the planning policy and all that so if you can afford to I would certainly use an architect because you'll get a better design and hopefully you'll get a, uh, an easier patch with the planning process you know? yeah I think the architect versus an engineer thing is nearly nearly not as not as straightforward but it's nearly like the QS thing in the sense that you know, you only do it once and there's only X amount of time. You know what I mean? The architect may not save you money, but he may definitely increase the value or even the, the yeah, well, I mean, quality the of it. Increasing the value is one thing, but I mean, you look, if you're building your forever home, it's unlikely you'd ever be selling it, please God. Um, you want to be living in a great space, you know? You want all your spatial layout to be right. You want this you know, light flow um, and properly appointed space and everything else. So there's only one chance to do that. So. Look, we're all looking at projects, and the main thing about projects in general is like it isn't so much about low cost; it's about driving value. So, whereas you might spend the extra few bob in using uh, an architect, a good architect, please God, and then you've you've spent a bit extra, but that's a value to because you only get one chance to design the house. You might want to save yourself um, some money by doing some of the labouring yourself. Yeah. So you're saving there, but I mean you're driving value on both. You had, there's no point cutting it and find out just the house wasn't great at the end of all that. You know, you want to make sure you get what you're. You only get one chance to do it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, self builders can <laughs> not to be um, too harsh, but they can become obsessed with cutting costs to the point that it becomes detrimental to the yeah. quality of the house. You know, and you'll never forget that, like. You know, you'll never forget that. I remember when we renovated a house years ago, we um, we got a kitchen for probably a bit cheaper than we should have. And uh, and uh, I never heard the end of it. <laughs> I, st I still, you close the doors of that kitchen and just the noise is horrendous. So um, so like, I, I know the value um, and it wouldn't have cost much more <laughs> to get a better one. But um, but this is back in the, the early days. But like there, there's nothing like spending a little bit more and get a lot more, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Because look, you really want to be doing it once. Yeah, know? yeah. Just going on to that, it's the early days. I, like this is not one of the questions. I just thought of it. Um, do you notice a big difference between building in the middle of a Celtic Tiger and building now? Oh yeah. Why? Uh, number one, it was the, the prices were horrendously high during the Celtic Tiger, and quality was horrendously low. So it was an all-time horrendous time to be building. It was the worst time ever. Um, because it was it was all credit fueled um, the monies, um, so you weren't get there was no value to be had. Like you were paying too much for the land, you were paying too much for the contractors, and you were getting horrendously bad quality. So it was just, I mean, there, there's nothing good in all that. Um, no, and and then it all 
went the opposite then, of course, after it, you were getting the best of guys because the, 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 the bottom of the market, the, 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 you know, the, the poorer tradesmen just left the market and emigrated or worked elsewhere or whatever. So if, beyond that, then you were getting the best of people for really, what, the work at cost or whatever. So you were getting the best of it then. And since then, it has moved on a little bit, not into boom times now by any means, but since then it has moved on a little bit and you're generally speaking the quality is quite good now generally speaking um and I, there's still reasonable value to be had i mean there isn't massive inflation in building in in labor costs um there more so material like, more yeah. so material yes. lately yes. because of uh, cost inflation whatever you know yeah yeah, yeah. so it was um, i remember I, like it, it it was i'm sure you probably had some crazy stories from uh yeah yeah plenty of them yeah but it it, it wasn't uh, it, it like it, we didn't cut any corners and we didn't you know we weren't hiking up price and whatever but but uh, and which is why we got through the recession. I just um, want to say that, yeah, it's really uh, uh, Yeah, so I mean, like, we, we, we started in 2004, and here we are in 2021, still going strong and, and growing and everything else. So, but we, we took a kind of a long term view, but there was an awful lot of short term um, um, operators there who've come and gone, and maybe some of them are going back again now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, uh, what common mistakes do people make when they are? building a house themselves that so say they're self-building what is what's some common mistakes that you might see you might you know see people going to go oh he shouldn't have done that or they shouldn't have done that um i suppose from a design point of view like the the the, the latest trend is is often you know <laughs> there to be seen um uh, no that's, that's a personal view but I, I think you can't go too far wrong with a timeless approach because you might have the latest color of windows or the latest type of cladding or whatever you, um but in five years time you're going to and I, i've been there myself um <laughs> uh you know you're, you're going to look back and go god yeah i suppose we should we should step back a little bit because it was all in vogue then and no one could have tired of looking at it but uh, so just step back and realize this is something you're going to be living in for maybe 50 years, you know, hopefully. That's actually really good advice. Um, yeah. So step back a little bit from the trends. I know your friends and family and all, you know, and it's going to be on TV shows and everything else. But uh, step back a bit from that because like, this is a long term view and some of these things you can't change. It's a, a certain color window. If it's factory finished, you can't really change it. Um, so step back a bit from that and try and go for a little bit more timeless because these trends do come and go every few years, you know. Um, uh, that would be one of the biggest ones and uh, I, I see money being spent in the wrong places too like you can see people and they're spending fortunes on chandeliers and these front pillars and all that and then you're going yeah but the living space is a bit small and there isn't enough connection to the garden and you're going you know it would better spent getting the space right yeah. and then whatever you've left you know put on the frills afterwards yeah, yeah. like and have your house invest from the inside out yes that would be the design from the inside out and invest from the inside out like the center of your house is your kitchen right so the most money should be spent on things like your heating system your kitchen your utility getting your living space the right size so you never in fact slightly bigger than you think you need and just be done with it and make utility twice the size you think you need because if you are if you haven't had children yet and you're just, you know, just engaged and you're building your first home, you think, ah, but sure, look, you change your room, we don't really need it. You have two or three young children and clothes, horse and all that, and that's a major, major mistake. So if you haven't children yet, build utility t twice the size you think you need it 
and you'll, you'll probably be just about the right size then. Um, because you can't build, no one has ever regretted having a utility room that's too big, ever. It's not something you hear. So that's the first thing I'd say. Um, design your house from the inside out, right? Don't, the curb appeal doesn't really matter, right? It matters to the neighbors and people driving up the driveway, but you're going to be living the inside of the house. So design a house from the inside out. Get all the, the, the utility, the living space, um, cut down on circulation space if you can. You know, the big hall with the winding stairs and the chandelier, not all that important at the end of the day. Sorry, what do you mean by circulation space? What is that? So your hall, okay. your landing, they're all like, it's just circulation space. So it's from moving from your living okay, room yes, to your, sorry, yes, yes, to yes, your yes. bathroom, yes, that yes. the hallway is a circulation space. Um, cut down a little bit on that if you can, unless you have a huge budget, um, and make your rooms that little bit bigger. Um, design around light and flow. So the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and spends most of the day in the south. So ideally, people like to have the east for their kitchen. So when they wake up in the morning, the sun's greeting them in the kitchen. Um, they like to have the, um, the west for their the living area, patio doors and, um, and their, their patio and all that. So when you're setting sun over your, your barbecue area and all that sort of things. And then you know, your dining area and all that facing south so that um, so you have lovely afternoon and light um, throughout your living space. So design from the inside out. Some people kind of you know, design, oh, the house is going to be facing the road. So that's the, so that's the front of the house. But I mean, if, if, you're, if the front of the house is south, then why put your front door on the front of the, you know, you can put your front door on the side of the house or, you know. So um, design around, um, design from the inside out and um, ideally your living space is facing south, even if that is to the front, or the, even if, the, if that is to the road. So design around light and, uh, and then bring your driveway around to the opposite side and call that the front of your house, not necessarily the road. Um, and invest from the inside out. Get all the inside of the house working and then go, well, look, have we enough money for tarmac? Have we enough money for the porch with the, the pilasters and all that kind of thing? And then you can make that call. But even still, like, you know, they can come two, three, four, five years after. Well, there you go. They don't need to be... There you go. They're not going to affect your night's sleep, like, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, get the inside right and, um, and invest in things like a good heating system and... Uh, and, uh, and good tradesmen, like because like you'll you'll spot the good and bad tradesmen a few years later when problems start arriving. You go, you know, then you're wondering how you're going to fix all that. So, um, so a little bit of extra money well spent goes an awful long way in a building project. You know? And um, what areas would you say that you can cut costs in a self build? Like I know there is certain, certain like, you know, um, labour that just can be done. You know, just general mm -hmm. labour that can mm -hmm. be done in self build. Yeah, I mean, look, okay, you, if you're that way minded, I mean, like when I started off building, the first cost I was cutting out was labor. I mean, I swept up all our sites myself. And then after a while, I didn't have time, so I had to get labor in. Um, you know, you can paint the house yourself. A lot of people do that. Um, now, it takes a lot of time, and it's all down to the preparation, so you need to have a, a, a good eye for detail when it comes to building preparation. But, like, you could paint the house yourself, but um, um, th that comes down to, again, what time you have. Um, there aren't many trade. I mean, and you could certainly be labouring, um, cleaning up the house yourself, or maybe falling in with, you know, the um, if you've uh, just tidying up the site and everything else. But I mean, nowadays you see building has become very specialised. So there's a very limited. I mean, you you know, scaffolding now is all certified. Um, nearly all the trade, like there's, there's different levels of insurance for all the trades. So there isn't much of the actual construction work itself you can do yourself yes. unless you're kind of handy or. You know, maybe you can do a little bits and bits of carpentry yourself or tiling yourself. Some people do that. But I mean, I think unless you're gifted or very experienced, the end product will probably suffer. suffer. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 Def yeah. And uh, yeah, that's definitely something that people 
may overlook at the time to save the thousand euro or something but then when you're looking at this thing yeah a thousand euros over three hundred fifty thousand euros or three hundred thousand euros or two hundred fifty thousand euros yeah, yeah it's not that much really when you think about it you know um so there are savings like shopping around for you know for for bathroom wear uh, shopping around for um, for kitchens and all that, like that time is well spent. Yeah. Spent, you know, doors and all that. That's where you will save rather than actually doing physical work, because. Um, and I think if you can buying tiles in January is another good thing. January is a great time to buy tiles in bathroom where you often get January sales for that. I never so, knew that. Uh, it's it's a great. It's generally speaking a great time to be buying tiles in bathroom wear. Um, so uh, and shopping around so you, you can save thousands um, you know between your your tiling and your bathroom wear and all that I mean, there's thousands and thousands in that so if you're saving a, a few hundred here and a few hundred there i mean that's that's time very well spent you know? yeah 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 so um i just wanted to touch on build methods and there's so many so sorry there's so much talk now about icf timber frame and block building what would your thoughts be around the different types of build methods and what would you commonly be using yourselves as builders? Um, I have found block work is still a little bit more cost effective than timber frame or ICF. Um, the, no, the, it, I suppose if you're doing a self build, there's a bit of work in, in, in managing a, a block build project because you need, to, you need to get the blocks delivered on site, you need to have mortar on site, you might need to have water and sand and cement on site. Um, it's it's very weather dependent. You know, you can't lay blocks in the rain and everything else, and then dealing with block layers and scaffolding adjustments. There's a lot involved in in all that operation. So from a self-built point of view, timber frame is more straightforward because the timber frame company will do all their frame installation themselves, and they'll have it up quite quickly. Block laying takes takes a, a good bit longer than timber frame. Um, so it's, it's, it takes longer, it's more complex and it's more weather dependent and there's a lot more moving parts. You've got to buy all the, the, the blocks and the sand cement and the, the ties and the insulation and the sills and the heads and DPCs. There's an awful lot involved. Um, whereas timber frame, um, again, most of that comes as part of the, uh, the, uh, the pack. Um, but you're paying a bit more for that. Um, what about ICF? What's your thoughts there? ICF then... Um, Sorry, that's insulated concrete formwork. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the ICF is another, like, th there are, I suppose, just to go back to my earlier conversation, like, so block laying costs a little bit less, but takes a bit longer, is yeah. more weather dependent and more complex, right? Um, timber frame takes less time, costs a little bit more, but you have your house dried in in kind of two weeks' time, in, in two weeks, right? So there's a huge benefit there, um, and it's much more user friendly. ICF costs a little bit more um, and can be very good on a site that's difficult to access because there are some sites you can't get up with a timber frame um, the setup because you need to have a crane, you can't get a crane up there and you mightn't be able to get a block grab up there so you can't get blocks up there. ICF is ideal because you can, you know, the, the, the actual ICF units um, are made from insulation so they're very light. Um, now they're be it's better done by specialists by the way because oh, the, the propping is quite complex and the, the steel tying is quite complex. But um, it's 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 ideal for a site that's that, that where the access is tricky, maybe up a steep slope or whatever, um, and then you can concrete pump it. Um, the benefits of ICF are um, the great for a tricky site. Um, you get very good inher inherent air tightness, um, and uh, so it's, it can be very good from that point of view. So good for high energy rating houses and, and everything else. Although strictly speaking, any any one of those products, once designed correctly, will will meet the same criteria. Um, 
the downside is if you ever if you if you if you have ICF in place, um, it's it's tricky. If you ever decide you want to, to change a window later on or add a door or something to your house, if you're remodeling it, um, you're cutting through reinforced concrete, so there's a lot more involved there. Um, with ICF and with timber frame, you're unless you're using a block outer leaf, you might have to use you're probably using an acrylic render on the outside, which looks lovely but costs more than a sand cement render. So there's all that. So um, there's pros and cons to all of them, really, you know. And what would what what would your go-to method be in terms of building? If I can use it, I tend to use block. block work. It's just you can drive more value, you know, because you know, when you're designing a house and you're costing it to align with someone's budget, there's always you're always putting the shoulder to the wheel because there's never there's never bu budget left over, you know. You're always trying to kind of make things work. So generally, I would default to block work with um, with uh, sand cement on the outside and painted and a pumped cavity. That's that's generally a fairly uh, cost-effective uh, solution, you know. Um, People talk a lot about air tightness and the importance of that. How early on in a build as a builder would you be thinking about air tightness and how early on in a build as a self builder should you be considering air tightness? Well, I suppose I, I'm working more, I, I'm working beyond building, I'm working in design as well. So I suppose it comes down to a budget. If a budget is at a very high level, I'd be going into maybe a full heat recovery package, right? And if at a heat recovery package, your air tightness is going to be very onerous. I mean, it could be as low as, um, could be below two air changes an hour. Um, so uh, so that's that's a very onerous package. So you're into air tightness membranes and you're into air tightness, um, well, you're in, you have air tightness detail around, around your windows. You need to have an air tightness wall set up uh, on the external leaf and uh, you might have airtightness membranes on all your ceilings and all that and all your all your surfaces are going through any um, cavities um, or through any um, airtight walls um, and ex the external envelope so it depends on the budget because m the more more airtightness products cost more money depends on your um, depends on your 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 BER um, target value as well um, and it depends on the ventilation system you're going to use because a demand control ventilation system will work at a slightly um, higher air tightness, so maybe you know three and beyond, whereas the heat recovery is probably two and lower. Ideally, I mean, they're, they're, you can vary that a little bit, but I mean that's ideally how you set it up. So I would, I it, generally I would tee all these things up quite early um, in the first few weeks of a project in design on site. You know, you have to you. You know, I, I'd be giving the builder that spec day one on site and saying that's where we're because he'll have to talk to the masons about that to make sure the block line is, is you know, better than everyone knows this at the start and say, look, we are going to yeah. be building a very airtight house. Just put everyone on guard and, you know, start as you mean to continue, you know, because yeah. even pouring the concrete, it's all part of it. Like, you know? Yeah, it does the layer gaps thing can become problematic yeah. if you go do your tests yeah. and stuff for sure. Um, I think it's only us, Kieran. I think we've, we've covered loads there, to be honest with you. Um, the last thing or the thing I always want to ask is, you're at the dinner table, somebody comes, Kieran, I'm about to build a house. And let's just assume that they're a self-builder. What's your number one tip? Or what's the one thing you'd say to them? Listen, whatever you do. Uh, as they say in construction, uh, measure twice, cut once, do your research. Don't rush into it. Like, speak to people who've done it. A lot of people who've done it say they wouldn't do it again as well, um, from a direct labour pers perspective, right? Because they find the whole thing so stressful. So, do your research, um, and you know, cutting costs is important. But um, like when you start looking at cost per square foot, 
don't just remember the cheapest one you heard, because people typically do, right? Um, and and, and I'd, I'd be more for, if you have the budget, I'd be more for driving value than cutting cost, um, because at the end of the day, you're going you're to be living this, and your family's going to be living this house, you know? Um, but do your research, and do your research before you make any decisions. Um, so research what an architect does, what an engineer does, what a QS does, what a builder does, you know, and various different trades. And, uh, and build, build up a good knowledge base, talk to friends and family, Google and that. Do the research before you jump straight into it. Because people jump into it, they realize they've made loads of mistakes and God, if I buy time back, I've done things differently. Before you rush into it, spend a few months researching it um, because that, that'll pay dividends. Um, and again, okay, it'll, it's great to be researching online, but there's no substitute for talking to friends and family and um, work colleagues who've built um, and, and, learn, and learn from their mistakes because, you know, that's, that, you know, that's, that, that's all there to be done. So uh, measure twice, cut once. That's great. Um, Kieran. thank you so much. Delighted. I really appreciate your time and it's great to have somebody with such a vast knowledge of the industry, the building industry to have their approach on not only self-building but approaching a builder. So thank you very much. Where can people find you? What's the best place to get in touch with you or what's, what's the best way? Yeah, so we, we, we offer, um, it's design and build, so we offer the full suite of services, literally um, the one-stop shop from design, planning permission, build, all the finishes, all fixed price and all that. Um, so uh, it's KMC Homes, um, kmchomes.ie, and uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Twitter. You, you, <laughs> you told me before the podcast that you're going to be getting more into YouTube. Uh, yeah, well, I, I have I, I've done a lot of YouTube work in the past, and I'll, I'm going to be doing a bit more again now lately. Um, so um, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook are probably our, our major channels. So uh, stay tuned to those anyway. Yeah, yeah, Kieran, thanks so much. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, our first of the professional series. If you want to find out more from Kieran, you can find him online at kmchomes.ie. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. I've just set up Get In Our Home with the aim of helping people that are on their own home building journey. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I've just set up Get In Our Home with the aim of helping people that are on their own home building journey. As we're only new, I would really, really appreciate it if you could take like literally one minute of your time and leave us a review on your podcast platform. And if you click subscribe, you'll receive a notification when we release our next episode. It'll cost you absolutely nothing and really help us to keep going with the content. Thanks and hope to see you all soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style.